Julian Green will play for USA. Christmas has come early for the U.S. men's national team. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Kolarsep. What's cracking, buddy? Not much, man. It's, uh, you know, it's springtime in Jersey and everywhere else. Uh, the snow has melted. And Christmas, as you said, has come early as American fans all over the country are celebrating the fact that a player they have never seen play is going to play for the United States. Yes, that's uh, exactly true. Thoughts and uh, rumors have been out there, but it was official uh, over this past week that he he will play for the U.S. men's national team. Ivis, we got we got a big show today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, Major League Soccer Week 3. We're going to do our previews. Uh, we're going to talk European Champions League. We're going to talk CONCACAF Champions League. But before we get into all that, as we just said, Julian Green was the biggest topic this week. A young player, Ivis, still a teenager playing for... Bayern Munich, a lot of people saying, hey, this is a guy that could be playing in the World Cup. Realistically, Ivis, many people haven't seen him play. What are really the chances of a guy like him really making it to Brazil? Because, hey, it looks like he might get some playing time uh, in the USA versus Mexico on April 2nd. Uh, well, let's see. You know, kidding aside, I, you know, I was obviously joking uh, about the whole truth. You know, people haven't seen him play. I mean, it's it's reality, right? I mean, the, the kid, uh, the most any of us have seen is the, is the cameo. Uh, the Champions League cameo for Bayern Munich. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is a big day because all you hear about is what a great prospect he is and the qualities that he have has. And, and, and yes, he's young. He's not a pro yet, but there's no denying the fact that he has ability. Uh, you don't get to be that highly regarded in a system like Bayern's uh, with a team like Bayern Munich if you don't have quality. And, and for Pep Guardiola to rate him so highly, to bring him into a Champions League match, to have him be with the team for preseason and for their mid-season break, uh, mid-season tour, all that. The fact that he's he's become kind of such a part of the team at the age of 18 tells you there's some quality there. I mean, that, you know, that's you know, you don't win a contest to do that, those kind of things. He's got the ability, and everything you hear about him is that he's a good, good, he's, he's legit. He's got qualities that make him potentially a really special player. So, mm-hmm. U.S. fans should absolutely be happy um, because, as we all know, in the past, the U.S. has lost out on some big-name players uh, early on who blossomed in, into into some names. You know, Giuseppe Rossi obviously is one, and Nevin Subotic is another. Uh, so, the, you know, Julian Green could have ended up being one of those kind of players that, that we, we sit here and regret that they're not playing for the U.S. But credit to Jurgen Klinsmann. He's, he's been on the recruiting trail for months now. Uh, really putting the press on Green, uh, you know, letting him feel welcome, letting him know that he's wanted. And as we talked about, getting having the chance to get Green into a camp, having a chance to get him around the players, the atmosphere around that team is really inclusive. It's really, it, it, you know, newcomers get embraced. And, and, you know, as we talked to Terrence Boyd about that, it's just just the vibe that you know when players come in there they feel at home and Julian Green obviously felt felt at home. He mentioned that in 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 you know the statement that was put out after he 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 follows one time switch that you know it, the camp made the difference and credit to Klinsman he made it happen. Uh, there's a reason that they they could not afford to have that that Ukraine friendly canceled. It was all a part of the plan, and it worked perfectly. Well, yeah, Jurgen's now three for three. Did it with John Brooks, did it with Johansson, Aaron Johansson, uh, and now he's done it with Julian Green right here. Uh, I mean, you're right, obviously. I mean, he said all the players were super nice. He said that Clint Dempsey gave him a jersey with his name on it. So uh, good job, guys, on the U.S. men's national team at that Frankfurt camp. Uh, realistically, though, Ivis, uh, I mean, we could see him make his debut against Mexico on, on April 2nd. As we've talked about the, the roster that's going to go to Brazil, we, we talked about the forward position. You know, you're going to have Josie Altidore there. You're probably going to have Eddie Johnson, Aaron Johansson. That fourth spot, you know, we've kind of given it to Terrence Boyd. I mean, what percentage of a chance can you really give Julian Green, uh, you know, t- finishing over Terrence Boyd on the Jeptar? I mean, is it 1%, 5%, 10%? I mean, what, what could it actually be? Well, okay, number one, he's not really going to be a forward on this team. He's a winger. He's more of a, you know, wide player. So I think he's competing with those guys. And and to rewind a bit, I still think I still think Terrence Boyd. I don't know if I would count him as number four. I think I personally think Terrence Boyd's number three, and I think the other guys, uh, you know, the Eddie Johnsons, the Agudelos, Hercules Gomez, Chris Wondolowski, those guys are competing for the four. I mean, you could argue that they're all in the mix for two spots, and potentially even in the mix for just one spot, if uh, Klinsman decides to bring another midfielder. Uh, but let's just. 
for the sake of projections, say that um, four forwards, uh, four wide midfielders, let's just, you know, hypothetically speaking, if you have four wide midfielders right now, you're talking Landon Donovan, Alejandro Bedoya, Graham Zuzzi, the three front runners for the, the the first three wide spots. Then you have the fourth wide spot where you're talking Brad Davis, uh, Breck Shea, and potentially Julian Green. Uh, all you hear about great left foot, good speed, can take people on, can score goals, and and it you know he might be a really good fit for the four three three. Can he help now? Can he help right away immediately? You know, it seems like a stretch. But having said that, the word out of, out of the national team camp was that he impressed people, that he he showed some really good qualities there. So for me, I can absolutely see Jurgen Klinsmann giving him a roster spot, had, letting him experience the World Cup. Uh, and, and, I mean, obviously he's tied already. Just doing the switch ties him. He doesn't have to play in a match to get cap tied uh, for anyone thinking that, oh, play him in the World Cup because then you can cap time. He's already, he's already going to be tied once his one-time switch application is approved, which it, you know, at this point it should be, so for me, uh, you know what? I think he's going to make it. I think I think the odds are now more in his favor. Obviously, I mean, I think mm-hmm. I don't know if Klinsman guaranteed it. I don't get the sense that he did. And if he and if he did, they're doing a good job of hiding it because Green's comments afterwards were like, you know, I'm going to work really hard to try to make the team, and and he's going to have his chance. He's going to have his chances in Arizona. Uh, he's going to be in that camp, and uh, you know, if, if things work out, if FIFA uh, approves his his uh, application in time, he can play in that friendly, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's going to have the, the 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 May camp, the pre World Cup camp. I'm sure at this point, I'm sure Klinsman is going to have a camp where he's going to have you know not just the 23 that make the team. He's going to have, I mean, you would imagine he's going to have a camp with you know whether it's 26, 27, 28, up to 30 players. So he can narrow it down to the final twenty-three. I guarantee. I, I, you know, I think it's safe bet Green will be there, and have his chance to show that he's good enough to make the team. I'm excited, Ivis. Uh, I haven't seen him play, but I'm looking forward to Mexico, man. I hope it. I, I really in the Mexico game. I really hope that 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 FIFA gets that in there. I mean, I, I want to see what this kid can do. You're right. I mean, look, a, a cameo appearance is one thing, and, and watching him in training, you know, some videos on YouTube. I mean, you can't really get a sense of what type of player he is, and you, you want to see him on the field, and and hopefully again on that April second game against Mexico here in Phoenix. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see him get some get some extended playing time because. You know, I'm not sold on Breck Shea. And as much as, you know, Bedoya is an outstanding player, I don't – He is he going to score no, goals? Is he going to provide assists? That's, That's not even thing. a question. That's not a question. He's making the team. The question is Brad Davis, uh, Breck Shea, those guys. Alejandro Bedoya is making the team. Whether you like it or not, whether you think he's good or not, he is going to make the team if he's healthy. He's Because he has shown already multiple times. He showed in the Gold Cup. He's shown in friendlies. He showed it in the Ukraine friendly. He was one of the, him and Jeff Cameron were the only bright spots. He's been playing at a high level, playing regularly in, in, in the French league, the French league top. It's one of the top five leagues in Europe. And he's been a regular, he's, he's gotten regular playing time there. He will be in Brazil if he's healthy. So that's not, that's not, let's not even get into that. <laughs> Breck, Breck Shea, Brad Davis talking left footed options, Brad Davis, to his credit, has has done well with his opportunities. Well, you know, we're we're not gonna ever forget uh, the win against Panama and the assist that he had in that game. Uh, he's a veteran player. He's in he great left foot, great service. And then you have Breck Shea, who obviously Jurgen Klinsmann loves as a as a change of pace off the bench. Yep. But we don't know what's gonna happen with Breck Shea now with this next two months. Mm-hmm. You know, is he gonna stay at Stoke City? Is he gonna see any? Is he gonna see any playing time? Uh, how sharp can he be? So I gotta say, I think those guys are the guys that are in danger of of being left home. Um, but it's gonna if Jurgen Klinsmann is gonna have to make that decision. He's gonna have to say, is it more important for me to have Green experience it? And before anyone gets too crazy about and and, and gets upset, then like, why are we gonna bring this kid if he's not gonna be able to help? Every World Cup, you had you end up having one or two players who don't play, uh, that don't play a minute, but you know they're on the team. It gives you depth. If you're gonna have one or two guys who aren't going to play, why not bring a kid who has unbelievable potential, who, you know, is more than likely going to be a key factor when you're talking about the the Olympics in 2016 and then the, in the world cup in 2018. So I have no problem with him making the team. Uh, but if we're talking about who could end up missing out, it's going to be guys like Brad, uh, Brad Davis, Breck Shea, and then potentially the, the forwards. If Klinsman decides, you know what, I'm only going to bring three forwards and, you know, bring five wide midfielders. Well, Brexit severely lacks in the in the final third, and I think that was evident uh, against that Ukraine friendly. His decision making is is not there, and, and I mean, is, is 
Brett Davis is a sound player, but I, I, look, I, I want to see Julian Green play against Mexico. I mean, we got to see what he looks like at an international stage. And, and the good thing going for Mavis, you know, playing for Bayern Munich, I mean, he's going against some of the world, you know, top world players and every single day in training and, and practice and, and in friendlies out there. So it's uh it, it's going to be a good one to watch. Uh, as we've said, Ivis, the, the USA plays Mexico, not the USA, USA plays Mexico on April 2nd. Ivis and I will be throwing an SBI party the day before, April 1st, downtown Phoenix at Crescent Ballroom. We hope to see everyone there. Ivis, I know you're looking forward to getting your hands into some Mexican food out here, right? Uh, well, I'm, I'm interested to see how that party, uh, the party happens. Uh, just so everyone knows, if you're going to be in Arizona, if you're going to be in Phoenix for this game, and how could you not be when, it, A, it's USA-Mexico, and anytime yep. it's USA-Mexico, it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be tense. It's going to be a great matchup. B, Julian Green's debut. It could be. And who wants to miss that, right? I mean, let's be honest. If he, come, if he comes on the field, gets the ball, burns a Mexican defender, you know, if he just gets by somebody, makes something happen, I mean, it's, it's, people are going to freak out. People are going to go crazy. So you want to be there for that. And then third, C, the SBI show party. Uh, it, it's uh, just so you know, it, you know, we 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 did a, a great MLS Cup party a few years back, uh, set the bar pretty high. Oh, now geez. we're gonna see, we're gonna see, no, hey, I'm just keeping it real. We had an, <laughs> it was a great party, it's stuff of legends. Now we'll see if this Arizona party can stack up, and if it doesn't, it, it will absolutely be Garrett's fault. I just want everyone to know that. I, I, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with this now pressure you're putting on me. I mean, we're not. It's not like we're going to some like epic club. If we we're going to epic club, we'd have to go to like Scottsdale or something like that. But it's nah, it's fine. It, I, I'm I'm kidding, folks. It's not. Uh, it's gonna be more of like it, a, it's gonna be more of like a ch- a chill, you know, kind of hangout. Uh, you know, it's go. gonna be some good drinks. Expectations is dropping. There's a DJ playing at ten, you know, at ten o'clock at at at, at Crescent Ballroom. It's one of the good spots. There's all lots of other bars around the area too. I mean, dude, but when you had that cup party, you had like bottle service and stuff like that. We're not doing anything like that. Oh, so you've heard about the party? I because you keep telling me about it all the time. <laughs> well, no, no. Listen, folks. All right, we're gonna get off the party subject, but I will say, if you're gonna be in Phoenix and you, you know, if you're an SBI show listener or if you're an SBI reader, I would definitely recommend coming out. You know, we might even have some giveaways. Uh, we'll definitely be there, so it'd be great to to meet uh, anybody who's there, who's in town, yep. and who's a listener. Uh, you can tell us how much you love the show, how much you hate the show. Uh, just come out; we, it should be a good time. And uh, you know, anyone who's gonna, anyone who can be in Arizona for that game, I would highly recommend being there because it's gonna be, even though it's just a friendly, just a friendly, quote unquote, just a friendly. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Well, I mean, the, the thing with this friendly, though, Ivis, is, is you look at all the talent for the U.S. men's national team players that are playing in Major League Soccer now. Same with Mexico, all their domestic players. Yes, it's a friendly, but, I mean, both sides are going to be really stacked. Also, if anyone needs any uh, Mexican food advice while you come to Phoenix, please hit me up on Twitter. I'll let you know where to go. There's some awesome spots right around the corner from Crescent Ballroom. So, uh, it's going to be a good time, Ivis. And Ivis, uh, over the week, uh, Steve Trundolo announced his retirement. Uh, we always talked about possibility for him making the World Cup, but with some injuries, uh, it doesn't look like he was going to make it. Announced his retirement. He had a wonderful career. And, uh, I mean, it's sad to see a guy like him retire. But, but I mean, obviously, when you look back, I mean, you have to be just extremely happy just with, with the, what he provided for the U.S. men's national team. You know, how he was a captain for Hanover for so many years. I mean, he just he, he closed he closed the chapter on what a wonderful professional career was for him. Right, without a doubt. It's a sad ending. Uh, and, and I wrote about it for Goal.com. I had a column on, on his retirement. And, 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 you know, for those who haven't read it, I led with a, an anecdote um you know, I had a chance to talk to him after his last game, what turned out to be his last game for the U.S. national team. Uh, the, the team was celebrating having qualified for the Hex. We're in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, the guys are celebrating. at a, It was a bar. And uh, I just had a chance to talk to Chirondolo. And Chirondolo actually sounded really concerned about uh, the right-back position. And, and his comments were pretty much, uh, you know, when it, when is the next generation going to come come along and, and, and take over for me? And it was almost as if he was worried about, uh, A, what was coming along to replace him, and B, how much more time he had. And I think maybe he got it. Maybe he knew then that the clock was ticking. Maybe he knew then uh, he didn't have much less left in the tank. And, and, you know, little did I know, little and maybe little did he know that that would be – that night was his last game, his 87th cap for the U.S., uh, and he's going to be tough to replace, as I said in my column. I mean, I know he hasn't been he he hasn't been in action for a year, right? He missed the hex, 
U.S. managed without him in the hex. But when you get to the World Cup, I think people are going to realize like w- just what the U.S. had in Steve Trundolo. We're talking about really like your prototypical right back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could defend well. He could get forward well, contribute to the attack. He, I mean, just the quality that he brought to that position. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see someone uh, that good at right back for the U.S. in a while. And he's the best, you could argue, the best right back of all time. He made the all-time best 11 for the U.S. national team. Uh, and he's definitely going to be missed. Uh, he did make 87, 87 caps for the U.S. men's national team, did score two goals, and in his uh, 15-year career at Hanover, he only stayed at one club, which I think, one, is remarkable, Ivis, because we don't see that anymore, one guy staying at one club for, for the entirety of his career, but he made 370 league appearances for them. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be sad to see him leave. I mean, I was really hoping, man, that he would have made the World Cup roster. It would have been would have been really nice to see him there. Yeah, you know, I, I think now that we now that it's all happened, I think looking at it, it was it was probably unrealistic when we were talking about a 35 year old defender. But I think that there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason people were hoping he would stick around. There's a reason even Klinsman, I think, was was willing to wait for him, willing to wait for him to recover from these knee injuries, is because of the quality that he could still, or the quality that he had, the the, the standard that the, that he had established. And I, I think I think I don't think anyone wanted to face the reality of the post Chirundolo era at that position. But now we're there. And it, and it, you know what? I, as I wrote in my piece, oh, as, actually, as I wrote on SBI, there is some serious talent coming in right back uh, it, down the road now. Obviously, you have DeAndre Yedlin, uh, Kofi Sarkodie, and then and then there's several more. There's several more good young ones. Uh, someone that you know well, Jordan Allen, who you know is being uh, you know groomed as a right back for RSL, really talented 18-year-old. So there's talent coming. But I tell you what, this World Cup, I think we're going to realize just what we've lost, what the U.S. national team has lost in Trundle retiring. Uh, I was waiting for that when you said I know him well. I thought you were going to say Jeff Cameron. I was going to be like, I don't know Jeff Cameron. <laughs> no, no, yeah. We're talking about the young guy. There's a nice generation of young right backs coming up the pipeline. And you know what? The future's bright. And But I think no matter who what comes along, people will remember Trundle for the quality that he brought for so long. Oh, definitely. I mean, just stability and just the leadership. It's uh, it's going to be sad not to see him there anymore. And Ivis, before we move on and talk CONCACAF Champions League, we're going to take a little break and hear a word from our sponsor. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. In that movie, John Doe, Vigilante comes out today, Friday, March 21st. Ivis, it's been very nice to have him as a sponsor on the show. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. Uh, You know, it's just... After a month of hearing, uh, you know, do you know me? Now I want to know him. I want to know John Doe, and we'll, we'll, you know, we're 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 toying with the idea of actually getting uh, the actor who played John Doe in the movie on the show. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get him on next week. And uh, you know, if you're if you happen if you happen to be somewhere where there's a theater showing John Doe Vigilante, I suggest you make it out. And also, we're supposed to have some T-shirts to give away from the movie. So if you would like a T-shirt. Then leave a comment in the comment section on SBI. Uh, make sure you include your email in the email section of the comment. Uh, not, don't put it in the actual comment. Put it in the email. It, it, there's like the little section there where it says email. You put your email there. Uh, the public won't see your email, but we'll see your email. Uh, we'll, and we're going to pick out some re, um, some of our listeners to send you some T-shirts and potentially some movie tickets as well. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. A little something there for you if you're interested. So, uh, you know. Leave leave a comment in our uh, in the comments. All I know is that the movie, well, the movie's rated R, so I'm, I'm gonna have to get permission for my mom and dad to see that movie. So it might be too scary. For it you. might be a little too scary, but I I, I was reading somewhere <laughs> that it's kind of like little Dexterish though. Like I I, I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, that's how we roll. You know, we're like SBI. You know, we're, we're rolling with the uh, with the rated R movies. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll see, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, like I said, you've, we've heard about it for for you know more than a month now, so. And I know in Arizona, I know the the the, the people the people behind the movie were were, were definitely uh, trying to hit Arizona as one of the markets where they 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 think uh, people are going to love that kind of movie. So 
uh, it should be interesting to watch. Yeah, we, we love our rated R movies out here, Ivis, as much as we love our uh, stupid politicians. Um, mov- <laughs> oh, moving, moving on, Ivis, talking CONCACAF Champions League. It was uh, not the best week for the Major League Soccer clubs. None of them advanced. Their Mexican counterparts uh, defeated all of them. Uh, very tough, though, but obviously you have to be a little promising with some of the results, though. I mean, especially San Jose going down to the wire. I mean, first leg for, for L.A. and Sporting Kansas City was promising, but just, uh, I mean, it would have been nice to see at least one advance, but unfortunately none of them advanced to the, uh, to the next round. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? There's not a lot of bright spots here. There's not a lot of silver linings. Uh, even the San Jose game, I mean, say what you want, they, 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 they were great. They were great in the sense that they showed a lot of heart, they were severely shorthanded. They, they were missing a ton of starters, and they actually almost pulled it out. So from that standpoint, you admire, you admire the effort, right? The soccer, the quality of soccer, definitely not, not great. It, it was a pretty ugly game to watch. And, uh, you know, again, you're talking about a team that's just starting their season, and they're missing a bunch of starters. So they're, they're playing players out of position. It was ugly. It was an ugly game. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Uh, but just the the quarterfinals in general, it just showed once again the 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 gap in quality uh, between the top the top Mexican teams and the top MLS teams, and it comes down to it, it still comes down to it's always come down to one of the big factors. The main factor is money. Uh, Mexican teams have the money to to spend on their rosters, uh, so they have depth, they have quality, top to bottom. Uh, and not only the it's not only the money, it's the it's also their uh, development system like they play. Not only do they develop young talent, they play that young talent. The Mexican League actually has rules in place that that forces teams to play young players a certain amount and they benefit from that. So when you have money to spend on depth and you actually have a development system that's producing uh, talent that can actually help you on the field right away, you're going to have quality depth. That's what Mexican teams have. That's mm. what MLS teams do not have. MLS teams don't have depth beyond their top five, six, seven players, uh, and particularly not on the bench. And we still don't have the young players coming in, the true uh, <laughs> influx of development. Play- no, we're not, we don't. It's just a reality. I'm, just, I'm waiting for the people to say, the Academy's coming. It's coming, Ivis. Stop yeah, it. Stop we've it. been hearing it. We've been hearing it. I know. It's, it's been a while. It's. I mean, look at this year alone, right? I mean, I feel like... Last year's homegrown class had more of an impact. This year's homegrown class, uh, who's make you know how many of them are really going to make an impact? So the pressure's on. The pressure's on MLS. Enough with the excuses. Are there excuses you could use? Are there things you could point to and say this doesn't work? This isn't great for MLS. Sure. The schedule is it work well for MLS? Absolutely not. There is something to that. It, it is a disadvantage to have the the knockout rounds of the Champions League take place at the start of the MLS season. When Mexican teams are two months into their season, they're, they're match fit, they're sharp, they're, they're in the mid, they're playing, they're playing games. You can point to that and say, yes, that is a factor. Mm-hmm. You can point to particular calls that have gone against MLS teams, and, and, and we always hear about the CONCACAF refs, how bad they are. San Jose definitely has a gripe. You know, they had an Alan Gordon goal waved off for offside that was not offside. That goal wins them that game, that series. Yes, you could point to that. But at the end of the day, is are the MLS teams good enough? And it's, they're just not good enough yet to beat the Mexican teams. Uh, you know, well, it, uh, I think part of it has to go with the salary. You know, I mean, you look at how much. Well, whose fault team, is that? Well, who's no, no, I, MLS I know, I know, I know, I know, I, I understand. But what I'm saying is, is that is is for the for the MLS teams to be able to play this level against the Mexican teams with, with salary caps that are you know close to five, ten million less than the Mexican counterparts. I mean, you have to commend. I, I guess I'm looking for the optimism here that, that that Major League Soccer isn't too far behind the Mexican League in, in terms of talent and quality. And, and I think, look, and maybe you can agree with me on this, that if the second leg was being played in America, I think some of these teams would have fared much better. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't see the... Well, they have to play in Mexico at some point, I know. Right? I, well, the first so leg, the first but I think, but I think leg, if not. they had the second leg in the no. U.S., I know. that That's neither that's, here nor there. It's easy to suggest that, but there's absolutely no reason... To believe that because they're playing Mexicans, whether you play in Mexico in the first league, in the first leg or the second leg, you still have to play in Mexico. And it's not easy to win in Mexico. It's not easy to get results in Mexico. Uh, I just, you know what? I'm just tired of the excuses. And are there reasons? Yes. But when it comes down to it, no one else is making MLS spend the amount they spend. MLS has set these standards. MLS has set their cap. And so you can't really you can't sit there and, and, and choose to spend 
3 million, 2.7 million. And then complain when you lose to teams that are spending 10, 15 million. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, because it's your, you have the money. You can spend more. So I think that's what, that's what where we're at now. Uh, and all you hear about is MLS wants to compete. They want to win this trophy. They want, well, if you want to win it, you have to do more than, you know, throw, uh, throw the teams that are in it an extra 100,000 in allocation money, extra 150,000, whatever the amount they're throwing extra. To these teams that are in the competition, it's that's not going to cut it, folks. Uh, is the gap closing? I don't, you know, in certain ways, MLS teams are improving, and you can argue that look, the Galaxy, if Leonardo doesn't have a meltdown, I mean, even with Leonardo having a meltdown, they lost by one goal in aggregate to Tijuana, and Tijuana, tough, Tijuana, tough <laughs> team at home. Uh, just to point that out, I mean, they even last year in Copa Libertadores. Playing against Ronaldinho, uh, they didn't win there either. It's not an easy place to play. There's a reason they, they they're just a, great, a different team at home. So there's no there's no real uh, shame in that. There's no shame in losing down in 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 Tijuana. So, Tijuana. so for me, it's like, all right. At one point, do we just stop with the excuses? At what point do we just say they weren't good enough on that day? They weren't good enough in that series. They could have beaten them. The Galaxy should have scored more goals at home. It's whose fault is it they only they only left a, a StubHub Center one 0 right? I mean, I don't know. I just think it's way too convenient to always jump back, always jump back to the oh they spend more money, we don't spend enough money. That's all well and good, but on the field, the Galaxy could have won that series. They made the mistakes. Leonardo crapped the bed. Had a, one of the all time <laughs> worst games you've ever seen an MLS defender have. So, you know that is that the Caps' fault. No, and, and same thing with uh, Sporting Kansas City. Get they got completely demolished in Mexico City by Cruz Azul. And w- is it the salary cap's fault that Peter Vermees started Icopara over Aurelian Cullen? No, that was his decision. He made the decision. Obviously, Aurelian Cullen was healthy. Aurelian Cullen uh, felt like he should play, as we saw by the fifty-five retweets that that Aurelian Cullen dropped that night. Everybody who tweeted at Aurelian Collin saying you should have played tonight or Peter Vermees made a mistake, Aurelian Collin retweeted it, and it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. I mean, I got to imagine Peter Vermees is not happy about that. But this is what I'm saying, folks. Is there a gap? Yes. Is there more? Does, do Mexicans teams spend more money? Yes. Does MLS need to spend more money? Yes. But it's not just – you can't just keep going back to that. At a certain point, you have to take accountability for what happened on this particular weekend and when it comes to L.A. and when it comes to Sporting Kansas City, uh, there are definitely things there that you could look at those clubs and say, hey, Bruce Arena, you chose Leonardo over Kofi Opare, over your other options at center back. Uh, hey, Peter Vermees, you chose Aguaparo over Aurelian Collin. And you could call it, you know, backseat, uh, you know, 2020 hindsight and the like, but I'm pretty sure most KC fans would have preferred Aurelian Collin start. And I'm sure, you know, L.A. fans, I don't think L.A. fans would have lined up for Leonardo because, you know, he hasn't really proven it yet. So, I don't know. I, I, it just sounds a little too much like excuse-making over and over and over. There, there, is excuses. there are excuses you can look at, but there, I think it's, there also needs to be some accountability. Yeah, look at you. I was fired up and cranky this morning. I'm not cranky. I just, <laughs> I, you know what? I just think it's uh, – we don't need any more excuses, folks. MLS needs to step it up spending the money. Teams need to step it up when they're in these competitions. They need to make sure they get the right players on the field. Those players need to perform. And that's it. I mean, that that's, you know what? It's fine that, you know, hey, Cruz Azul, Tijuana, do they spend more money? Yes, that's all well and good. But I'm sorry. When you have a Robbie, when you have a goal where it's Landon Donovan, Tomar Gonzalez, Robbie Keane, I mean, that's a lot of money in that goal, right? That's, a, that's a millions of dollars producing a goal. So for me, it's like, don't cry poor because the Galaxy, sorry, Galaxy, you're not poor. You spend enough money. So I don't know. Well, you're also missing out. I mean, San Jose started their game without Chris Wondolowski. Oh, well, you, well, you haven't. Well, have you heard me mention San Jose? I have not mentioned San Jose because, again, they they get a pass because they had all those issues. But you know what? Even with that, even with that, does, you know, we, we can talk we can talk for days about San Jose and the style of soccer, the quality of soccer. Do they play quality of soccer? That's a whole other argument. But I'm not again, I'm not getting on them because they they were completely shorthanded. They were, and that's why I thought I thought it was really unfair of the Toluca manager. And really yeah, just I thought that was it was really clueless on his part to come out after the match and say, Oh, 
you know, people tell me American soccer's, uh, uh, you know, improving. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't see that. And it's like, listen, guy, did you not do your homework? Did you not study your opponent and know that a they're a very direct team? B they're they you know they they are the most direct team in MLS. They don't really play attractive soccer. They don't really knock it around. And on top of all that, they're missing like seven or eight starters. So how are you going to sit there and make a comment about the entire sport in a country based on a team playing reserves, uh, playing players out of position? Uh, like that, that was it was just completely well, yeah. ignorant on his part. Exactly, and it's not. And I don't watch the Mexican league, so so I can't really speak on a team specifically. But I mean, you're telling me that there's no team in the Mexican league that does the same thing, that has this, that same style of play, that that doesn't really play attractive soccer. I mean, there's a team like that in every single country, you know. And if San Jose, that's how they win. That's how they win. And for San Jose, they almost made the playoffs playing like that last year. I have no issues. I, I may not particularly like watching it, but you know what? San Jose Earthquake fans love it because it keeps their team in the games, and you have to make do with what you got. You know what? They don't have superstar players. They have Chris Wondolowski, Clarence Goodson. But after that, they don't have the LA Galaxy money. They don't have New York Red Bulls money. And if they have to play like that, they have to play like that. The Mexican manager said that was – the Toluca manager was – I thought that was the stupidest thing he could have said after that game. Yeah, you know what? It is what it is. But, again, going getting back to it, MLS needs to step it up. You got the CBA coming next year. Uh, and, and, you know, the league can't complain about not having money when you're having $100 million franchise fees – Seventy-five million dollar franchise fees, TV rights coming in, money coming in. There is money to be spent. The teams need to start spending more money. Otherwise, stop talking about uh, winning the tournament. Stop talking about wanting MLS to be a top league in the world because you can't talk about those things and spend the money that you spent. We all understand the first, you know, uh, the first years of the league, the first fifteen years, mm-hmm. sixteen, seventeen years. You were building up slowly, slow and steady wins the race, all that. It's all well and good. The league, we're at a point now, though, you you got to loosen up the purse strings. You have to do it if you're going to really take the next step. And I think I think people realize that. I think it's coming. I think MLS is going to spend more. I think they're going to, when this new CBA comes in, they're, they're, they're going to loosen up. They have to because there's more money there. And if the players' union is worth anything, they're going to get more money. They're going to, you know, who knows how much more, right? Are they going to double the cap? Is You know, for me, if it's anything less than double, if if, if we're if we're not talking about a five to six million dollar cap a year from now, then there's something seriously wrong because that otherwise it's a joke. Otherwise, stop talking about wanting to win a tournament. Stop talking about wanting to be one of the better leagues in the world because you're just not going to be. If you don't spend the money, well, I think the league will eventually get there. You know, it's it's what is what is the league now, Ivis, and it's seventeenth uh, year. You know, it's just about to leave the house and go to college for the first time. You know, you got to take the training wheels off. You got to let, let the teams start start pedaling by themselves. I think that's the biggest thing with Major League Soccer. Hopefully we'll see that. Some teams will be able to do it. Some teams won't. But, hey, there's winners and losers in everything in life. <laughs> okay. Right. You don't like that analogy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. The, that should be on a bumper sticker or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm being serious, though. I mean, when you look at the league, I mean, the league is still young. But but you're right. I mean, the, the training wheels eventually need to come off. And, and, and Ivis... That's for everything. That's for rules. That's for the transparency of the rules, not making it up as you go. That that's for salary. That that's for more money in the academy development system. That that I mean, th- uh, this covers a lot of different issues. I mean, th- this could be a whole other show talking about things that that Major League Soccer can improve on as they as they kind of let, let the you know let the leash let the rein uh, not not be so so short. You know, but but we we can save all that for another show, Ivis. Yeah, we we'll save the soapbox. We're on a we're in a we're in a bit of a tight deadline here. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll save it for the next. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. We've now reached the MLS Week Three preview. What was it, Ivis? It was the MLS Weekend Preview. That whatever that thing was when we first started the show. <laughs> we, should reti- we, we should retire that. Yeah, we are going to. Well, we have. We haven't said that in a while, so I just said that right now. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, the show used to. <laughs> you know what? Nothing needs to be said. Uh. This weekend, Ivis, Real, Salt Lake, LA Galaxy. That looks like the marquee matchup. Uh, you know, RSL came off the draw against San Jose last week. You know, LA is LA. This is a team that they've already played each other once this season. Real Salt Lake defeating LA in Los Angeles. Uh, going to be a good one to see how, how these teams fare up in uh, Rio Tinto. Uh, it's it's going to be a good one, Ivis. What, what do you, you think is going to happen in this? Well, they just played a few weeks ago, so that, that one's... Uh... That one's, you know, it's fresh in the mind. Obviously, Nick Romano had a monster game. Uh, L.A. really should have won the game when you think about the chances that they had. But it's going to be a little different now because you have L.A. coming off uh, what's got to be a devastating loss for them to Tijuana, Club Tijuana. 
they they played on Tuesday, so they have a little bit more rest than than a team that would have played on Wednesday or Thursday. So you wonder how how the what are leg legs going to be an issue? Will they have fresh legs? Uh, Real Salt Lake's got their own share of injuries as well. Uh, you know, they Chris Schuler I think is close to coming back, so that that should help. Uh, I'm not sure of the status of Javier Morales. So for me, uh, it's a tough one. I, you know what? I'm going to go with RSL on this one just because they're at home. I think LA is going to have a little bit of a Champions League hangover, uh, and I think RSL is going to beat them again. I think we're going to see another. I think we're going to see another one nil. Uh, yeah, I'll go with RSL with you on this one, Ivis. I, I, yeah, I'll go with RSL. Um, staying in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia Union, Ivis could be taking on Columbus Crew. Uh, this one's going to be in uh, Columbus. The Crew defeated DC United in the opening week uh, opening week of play, week one. Three, they defeated DC United three to zero. Columbus did not play last week in Philadelphia. Off to a great start, Ivis. They played Portland on the road to one one draw. They defeat New England Revolution. Uh, 1-0 last week, and I think this is the game that Philadelphia is just going to defeat the crew on the road. You know, the Columbus crew aren't going to have the fortune, you know, the, the, the three-headed monster, Arietta Higuain, and Dominic Oduro aren't going to have the opportunities to run against uh, Philadelphia as they did against D.C. I mean, we've already seen the positive impact of of, of, of Marisa Du uh, playing with Brian Carroll. I, I, you, know, we, we, you know, we had Amogi Mo, a Kugo on the show uh, last week. I, I just think Philadelphia on the road is going to defeat Columbus in this one. I don't know about that one. As well as Philly has played... Uh, it's not easy winning on a road in MLS, and I think the fact that Columbus, uh, yes, Columbus played a you know pretty bad team in the opener, but I think Columbus is an improved team, and I think at home they're going to be, you know, they've had the week off. I think they're going to come home, and I think they're going to show well. And Philly has you know through the years have not really been a a good road team. I know they did they showed well in Portland. They're they're a different team now. They're a better team now. Uh, but I think this one's going to be an even game. I think this is going to be a good chess match. Uh, and a good battle in midfield, and, and Columbus's defense, I think, is really strong. So, for me, it's going to be a close. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go zero zero. I think it's going to be a chess match, one one zero zero. But I think it's going to be a draw. Uh, last time we said it was going to be a scoreless draw. Uh, RSL and San Jose scored six goals. So well, should, that's why should, I said one one. <laughs> that's why I said one one. I said zero zero one one. It's going to be a draw. I'm just going to leave it at that. I think it's going to be a pretty even match. Philly's been playing well. Uh, but look, it's not just write off Columbus because you know th- that's, we can't just ignore their first uh, week performance because DC is a bad team. Like I still think they showed well, they combined well, the passing's there. You know what Berhalter wants to do. I think the defense is much improved, so I think they're going to give Philly a great test, and I think it's going to be a draw. I could see that, but I, I just see Philadelphia man with Vincent Noguera, uh, Leonardo Fernandez. I mean, they're just they're just Philadelphia man. They're just <laughs> Leonardo Fernandez. Okay, <laughs> what? All right. What? This is like the nineteenth guy you would name out of that team. Out of that. He played you, well last week. He played well last week. You, ah, well you, last week. you don't name him well. when, you, when you're talking about the top players on that team. You don't drop that name. I'm sorry. You, it's okay. It's okay. We'll move on. What are you talking about? He played well last week. Philadelphia. He, he, he had like well. one play, and it was, and he should have been called for a foul. Like he did all right. Oh my! Like, what no, is wrong? You with got you? my. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Maidana, Noguera, Latou, McInerney. Uh, Maurice Du, name you could name every everyone named, in their lineup. I already up. named like, those guys. I was going to you know second tier, uh, third tier okay. guys. Come on, Ivis, uh, stay with the show, some, here, man. Kick, settle down. No, settle you down. you settle down. That's you couldn't that's, pick that's, you couldn't pick Leo out of a out of a police lineup. Let's be honest. What are you talking about? <laughs> he has like a faux hawk thing going. You know, it's like it's uh, a, you know fo, you know you know you know what I'm talking about, Ivis. Jesus, Jesus, uh, Ivis. Right. Take it easy, man. You were cranky this morning. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's just hilarious sometimes. It's just random stuff you say. Yeah, uh, easy. Uh, Ivis, uh, Colorado's going to be hosting Portland Timbers uh, in this one. Colorado, you know, very impressive uh, opening debut under Pablo Mastorini going on the road in New York, playing them to a 1-1 draw. Portland, two draws uh, in their first two games of the season. Are they finally going to get the victory here, even though it's the first time they're going to be on the road? Well, you know, Garrett, this game, this is a great matchup. Two Western Conference teams that you know, you, you know, were playoff teams last year. The question is, is this is this game going to happen? Because word out of Colorado is they're expecting snow. We could have another snow classico. Uh, only I'm not sure if they're going to just let them play or if they're going to cancel it. Um, it, it seems like the, the game's going to happen unless unless the snow gets out of out of hand. Uh, but this is an interesting matchup. I got to say, I mean, you have Colorado coming off what I thought was an impressive draw. At, in New York uh, to start the Pablo Mastroeni era against a Portland team that is desperate for three points. They need three points. They want three points because you don't want to start the season off with three draws or with two draws and a loss. And I think we've seen it now in the two games that they did draw. We've seen really good stretches from Portland as far as uh, dominating possession. 
uh, really controlling games. They just the final thirds let them down. The the finishing hasn't been there. So that you know is, is that gonna are they gonna be able to do that in Colorado? I, I can remember Portland's trip to one of Portland's trips to Colorado. I don't know if it was their only one last year, but I remember they you know they, they uh, it was a pretty dramatic. Uh, I think it was a two two tie. Uh, Colorado jumped out to the early lead. Portland fought back in the second half uh, from 2-0 down and, and tied it up. So, you know, hopefully they get another exciting matchup like that. I think it will be. I think if if the conditions are are, are, are reasonable and it's not too crazy and, and snowing and, and slippery or whatever, if it's normal conditions, I think we're going to see a really good match, really attractive match. I think Colorado will create more than he did in New York. Uh, I, I think Pablo Mastroeni put out a certain kind of lineup in New York to get a result, and I think he's going to put out more of a attack-minded lineup at home. And I think if he does that uh, and he really tries to play, I think it's going to really help Portland because I think Portland's going to have that opportunity to really kind of flex their muscles on the attacking front. So I think we're going to see an exciting game. Uh, I'm going to go with Portland. I just think Portland, you know, I think they, they need that win. I think they're due. Uh, I think their quality shines through the court. You know, it, it, the only question for me is if their defense is going to be healthy. Uh, uh, Paparato is injured. He might not play. If he doesn't play, it, you know, I don't know if Pablo Motokai will be back. So there's some question marks there, but I'm still going to go with Portland. I'll say Timbers 2-1 on the road. I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll agree, Timbers will win. I'll, I'll say, you know what, for the sake of uh, going with guys who are, you know, third-tier guys on teams, I say Jack Jewsbury has an excellent game uh, in this one, Ivis. Uh, going over to Big D, FC Dallas is going to be hosting Chivas USA. I think both teams are very pleased with the starts that they're off to. Both teams won in the opening weekend this past weekend. Uh, they, they they both earned a draw. Chivas USA's was against Vancouver. FC Dallas's was against Sporting Kansas City on the road. And uh, this is going to be an interesting one, Ivis, because, uh, I mean, look, with, with the way Chivas USA is playing, Chivas USA is playing, I mean, they could... They and FC Dallas could be competing for a playoff spot near the near the end of the season. What do you see happening in this one? I don't know if I'd go that far. I think it's a little early to start dropping comments about playoffs. But in terms of the matchup itself, <laughs> I think no, I mean it's come on, let's be honest. Like playoffs, like playoffs. I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be <laughs> optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic on today's well, show, man. You're I mean, just look, like killing me. I'm trying to be nice to everyone, I, I, you know, be nice. You know, it's okay, teams, you lost the Concap Championship. Not everybody you played makes the playoffs. well. Not everybody, you, you got everybody in the playoffs. Why like, not? You know what? Like everyone six, makes the playoffs. Everybody wins. Everyone gets a medal. See, no, see you know what this is? this is? This is from me sitting on the bench in Little League Baseball because I was a crap baseball player and I just wanted to play. So I got to support everyone, Ivis. That's the reason why. <laughs> nice. nice. You're, the, you're the coach that's like, ah, oh, that kid sucks. Put him on the bench. No, man. Don't, get, just, don't give him a trophy. I'm just realist. I'm a just, I'm just a realist. It's like, you know, we get two weeks into the season and we got a team that, you know, was a nightmare a year ago. All of a sudden... <laughs> They're in the playoffs because they they're because they one zero and one like settle down. All right, back to back to the, uh, to the action here. FC Dallas, you know they they, they got that result in Kansas City, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Chivas, you know, give them credit they, to, to you know get the red card early and hold on. Nearly got the upset before the late goal for Vancouver. Uh, I'm gonna go with Dallas. I think Dallas. Uh, you know, I think Dallas. They've had some issues injury wise with their defense, but uh, I still I'm I'm gonna go with Dallas in this one. And in the final match that we identified this weekend, I was Toronto FC will be making their home debut with the revamped roster. Last week they defeated Seattle two to one on the road. I was DC did not play last weekend, but in the, as I said earlier in the show, they lost to Columbus Crew zero to three in the uh, 2014 opener for them in week one. I was Toronto at home. How could you go against them against DC here? Oh, I'm not. I, I think Toronto's going to tear them apart. Um, but, you know, that, I just think this is an interesting matchup because you have two teams that had, you know, they had complete makeovers, uh, you know, changed their teams around, added a bunch of new faces, and you want to see how, where, where they kind of stack up. Toronto, as we saw in their opener, uh, they're hitting the ground running. Uh, and obviously, look, they spent more money. You know, when you add a couple, you know, $100 million worth of players, you know, more than that, when you count Julio Cesar, uh, Julio Cesar, um, you know, that Toronto's going to, you would think Toronto's going to rip them apart. But it's going to be a question, where is DC United? Where, Like, how far along are they? Are they making enough progress? Because I'll tell you what, clock's got to be ticking on Ben Olsen. And if they get off to a really bad start, they get blown out in this game, if they lose this game, they, if, they, if they, you know, go get off to like a, four or five losses or, or a really bad kind of first two months, I mean, ha- you got to, you know, it's going to be a problem for Ben Olsen. So I think this is an important game for them. Uh, you know, even if they don't win to get either a draw or at least to show well, to show improvement, to show that the makeover actually 
did something for them. They added all these players, all these pieces, but they have to still fit together. And it's Ben Olsen's job to put those pieces together and make the puzzle fit. And if the puzzle doesn't work, they, they got to find someone else to do it. You know he has the team this he has the team this year so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, quick hits, Ivis, before we move on. Uh, New England, Vancouver, opportunity for New England to, to get back on track, playing at home against Vancouver here. Uh, I think so. I think they're due. Well, again, the question: Gonzalez, will he play? Will he not play? Without Gonzalez, they're going to have some trouble with Vancouver uh, with their attack. So, uh, you know what? I think I think it's a really bad start for them. Vancouver goes goes to New England and gets the result. I think we're going to see a draw, two two draw, goals galore. Same same thing for, here for Montreal. I mean, they start off the season with with two losses. I mean, at home against Seattle, do you think they'll win here? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Seattle. Not sold on Montreal right now. They, I, I think they've got some issues. Even though they showed, they they looked a little better against Houston, but I think Frank Frank Lopez is. Uh, uh, missing Marco Devay right now, and I think this is going to be the third game, the last game of the suspension. So uh, I think hopefully, you know, after that we'll really get to judge Klopas in Montreal once they have Devay back. But for this week, I see Seattle rolling in that one. Uh, and then Sporting Kansas City will be hosting San Jose. Tall task for San Jose to uh, go on the road and fe- defeat Sporting Kansas City here. I mean, I think you can go with with uh, Sporting Kansas City in this one. Uh, I agree, but I tell you what, how ugly a match is that going to be? Because both those teams, you know, played – Midweek, they both played Wednesday. They both played down in Mexico. Tough games. Uh, so from a, an emotional standpoint, you wonder how these teams are going to rebound and, and get back into this one. So I think this one could be a pretty sluggish affair, pretty close contest. But I'm going to go with Kansas City. And on Sunday, Chicago Fire at home against your New York Red Bulls. Ivis, who do you got in this one? <laughs> really, man? <laughs> I'm going to remember this. I'm gonna, when, when we're at the party, uh, I'm going to remember this. In <laughs> uh, yeah. all honesty, though, Ivis, uh, New York on the road, do, do you think they could beat Chicago in this one? This is a tough one. Uh, I thought Chicago showed really well uh, in, the, in the game in Portland. They're getting Mike McGee back, apparently. McGee's going to play in this game. New York's got some serious question marks. They're not a good road team. I'm going to go fire... Uh, I'm not even going to call it an upset because New York's got some issues. They got to sort out. I think I think Chicago Fire. Uh, I'm going to go one zero Fire. And uh, that that's our weekend preview. Ivis and I will uh, we'll have a show on Monday morning. We'll recap MLS Week Three. Uh, looking at future Major League Soccer news, Ivis, the new club in New York, New York C. I'm sorry, NYC FC unveiled their new crest, their new logo. I think it looks pretty good. What do you think? I was at the unveiling. I think they picked the right one. It looks beautiful uh, for me. I know they were getting ripped because it, it, it has similarities to Inter Milan's logo. I think people just need to get over it. it, it it's their logo. It's their colors. And and looking at the the uh, the stuff they had there with the logo on it, it looks. I think it's going to look good on uniform. Uh, I think it will too. It people need to take a chill pill. Uh, speaking of uh, Inter Milan, well, not really Inter Milan, but speaking of European. Uh, soccer news, Ivis. The quarterfinals leg, the quarterfinal legs for the Concacaf uh, Champions League. The quarterfinals for the Champions League and for the Europa League are out. We got some big matchups: Ivis, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, uh, Dortmund, PSG, Chelsea, Manchester United, Bayern Munich. Ivis, do you have a favorite yet? Well, I think everyone has Bayern as the favorite. Realistically, anyone who's not picking with their heart. It's going to be picking Bayern Munich, the defending champions. They looked unstoppable, and I think they're going to do ugly, ugly things to uh, to Manchester United in that series. Uh, I, I like the matchups. I got to say, for me, Atletic. I didn't want to see any any matchups between teams from the same country, but I think Barcelona Atletico is going to be a good one. Uh, Atletico has given Barcelona trouble all year. Uh, they're for, they're a team I, I've loved to watch this year. Simeone's done an amazing job with that team. I think Atletico is going to beat Barcelona. I think they're going to knock them off. Uh, for me, Chelsea PSG is going to be fun to watch. Jose Mourinho is is a master in this round of the tournament, but PSG has so much talent with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, and and that cast of characters over there. So that that I think is going to be the best series. But I think Barcelona Atletico is going to be the most dramatic series. Uh, the first leg for these games, uh, some of them will be on April first, some on April second, Ivis. So that means you'll be watching Phoenix with me. The second leg is uh, April 9th or April eighth. Also on Thursday, I'm sorry, not Thursday, on Friday, March twenty first, the quarterfinals. Uh, draw for the Europa League was out. Ivis, you have AZ Benfica, uh, Leon Juventus, Juventus, excuse me, uh, Basel Valencia, Porto Sevilla. Who, uh, do you have a favorite in the Europa League? Well, I think Juventus is 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 the the odds-on pick for everybody. But again, U.S. fans have a reason to watch because Aaron Johansson is still alive, mm-hmm. AZ is still alive. 
pretty tough draw though. Benfica's a really good team. Uh, but still, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for him because if Johansson can get a goal or two against Benfica, that's only going to boost his stock that much more. And that's it, Ivis. That wraps up today's SBI show. Everyone have a fabulous weekend. Before before we uh, do the final send-off, Ivis, I, I think we covered everything on today's show, correct? I think we did. I think we'll uh, we'll try to catch up if there's anything we missed uh, on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. If you're a soccer fan, think about it. Uh, MLS Week 3. Mm-hmm. And then you have Real Madrid, Barcelona. In case you didn't already know, the uh, the late, the next edition of El Clasico will be played this weekend, and you're not going to want to miss it. What day will that be on, Ivis? I believe it's Sunday. Sunday. So Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it was a horrible uh, advertisement for like one of those truck monster shows. We're like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bring your kids. Kids get in half off. You know, something like that. Uh, all right, Ivis. Uh, this has been a long week for you and I. Would you have, mimo- would you have mimosas? No, for it's it's What's been a, on, it's buddy? been a long week, man. I've I've put in long hours this week. You've put in long hours this week. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll let you go before I do anything else stupid on this show. Hey, hey, hey! Yes. Just remember this: two weeks to go. Actually, less than two weeks to go before the SBI show party in Phoenix. That'll be our chance to unwind. Oh, by the way, what day are you are you flying out here? When I I arrive in Phoenix on Monday. What time? 10, 10 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Do you want to go cover my Divas FC match? I don't know about cover. We'll talk about that. We'll I'm talk serious. About that. We'll I, talk want, about that I, want, I want a recap and player ratings on Tuesday morning on, the, on, on I, I, this show I, or on, the, on Soccer by Ivis. I'm too big time. I don't do anything below, I'd say, college, co- college level. What about my – come on. My team has a few former pros on it. We're a good co-ed team. There's, there's, <laughs> you, there's a lot listen, of talent if, on and off the field on my team. I will say that if you, ca- uh, if you catch oh, what I'm saying. <laughs> you put the B in subtle. Uh, yeah, you know what? We'll see. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably go, but I don't know if I'll be writing anything. Uh, <sighs> you are the leave worst. leave my laptop conveniently. You are the worst. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm so forced I'm op- to I'm come. open to bribes. I'm open to bribes. I'll buy you. I'll buy you a Cosmopolitan after the game. All right. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait to see someone buy you one out here in Phoenix. All right, Ivis. Yeah. Good luck with that. If you've met, if you haven't met me. I think you might want to meet me before you get me a costume. <laughs> you might be in trouble. All right, <laughs> you have a good weekend, man. I'll talk to you later, all right? Thanks, man. Talk to you then. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. Ivis and I will be back again on Monday morning with another exciting edition. This is the SDI Show.